0: We ready? I reckon. Yep, let's do
1: it. 90% Prince! 90% Prince!
0: Hello and welcome to 90% Hits, a podcast that was once about the number one singles in Australia throughout the 90s. My name is Danny Yao and tonight we're doing something a little bit special. We're going to talk about Prince who passed away, uh, sadly, last month for us. Uh, With me tonight is Tim Coyle.
2: (laughs) For us. He passed away for us away. still going But you know what? What's up Mama Jamas <laughs> Tim Byron
3: My name is Tim And I am Funky
2: <laughs> And
0: Casey Atkins
1: Life is just a party But parties weren't meant to last
0: <laughs> Um so if you're listening to this for the first time, for some reason, we did a podcast called 90% Hits where we went through all the number one singles uh, in Australia throughout the 90s. And we actually talked about Prince a couple of times, didn't we? Tim Byron, did you?
3: Yeah, we, we talked about Prince um, in uh, for, at the end of the 1991 when we had the Choose Your Own Adventure episode. Um, so in, in that episode, um, I had chosen Cream as my favorite song in 1991. And then we also talked about Prince in 1994 because he had a number one single, uh, The Most Beautiful Girl in the Room, which- um, In the what? Well, in the world.
2: In the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! The yeah. big room, all right. <laughs> no,
3: the, the world is a room when you were Prince. Um, but yeah, there were those. And then there was a couple of songs that Prince wrote that we talked about as well.
1: Casey. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think it was actually episode one, um, mm-hmm. the very first when uh, it was Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You, and then a couple of episodes later, Martika's um, Love Though Will Be Done, so... Yeah, Prince was spoken about quite a lot, even yeah. though even when we weren't actually discussing songs where he was the artist.
3: Yeah, we talked about him almost as much as we talked about Brian Adams. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Prince is even in our little uh, 90% hit
0: sting, which
3: yes. yes. Tim Byrne
0: created. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do a choose your own adventure. We've all picked one of our favourite Prince songs to talk about. Uh, and we just wanted to, you know, talk about his career and, and how we discovered him and and all the all good memories of Prince sort of throughout it. So uh, we saved the listeners the, the rigmarole of listening to us trying to do the dice. Uh, we picked... Never early. worked particularly well. No. <laughs> uh, and first cap of the rank is Casey. Casey, do you want to tell us your Prince song?
1: Absolutely. So I've got a couple of favourite Prince songs. One of them we already talked about in the original podcast. So um, for the purposes of tonight, my favourite Prince song is 1999. Oh, it's it's all coming back to me so quickly. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Studio.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey, do you want to tell us why this song was out of, you know, a not inconsiderable amount of songs to choose from? You chose 1999.
1: It was probably the first Prince song that I actually took any notice of. Possibly the first Prince song I heard. I'm not sure. The most, um, the biggest thing that struck me with this song is the sound of the crash cymbal. I don't know why. I guess I was... <laughs> I should have probably looked up when 1999 actually came out. But 82. Um, it. 80,
2: 1982.
1: 82. Okay. So, yeah. I certainly wasn't listening to it when it came out. No. But um, I remember seeing it. On, I remember the clip really well. So, it must have just been played on Rage randomly a lot. And I remember the sound of the crash cymbal being something like I'd never heard before. I don't even know whether I liked it at the time. But it's been one of those things that's just grown on me slowly and slowly and slowly and now it's just one of my favorite songs and I listen to it now like a lot of Prince songs and I go I love the fuck out of this and I can't really quite figure out why (laughs) do you know what I mean like and I I feel like that way about a couple of Prince songs it's only verse and chorus there's no middle eight there's no anything else and it and I don't know there's there's something about how it all falls together that I absolutely love anyway you guys 1999 Tim
3: Byron yeah, so um, the the album nineteen ninety nine came out in America in nineteen ninety two, in Australia uh, ninety two. Sorry, 1982, <laughs> 1982. and in Australia um, the single got into the charts in February nineteen eighty three, um, and it was it got to number two in the charts in nineteen eighty three. It was um, that there was basically a month in Australia where the top three singles were Billy Jean, nineteen ninety nine. And let's dance by David Bowie. Oh
1: wow! Yeah, right.
3: <laughs> so holy
2: shit. Who's <laughs> number four in that chart. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and where are they
2: living right now? <laughs> Lock themselves up.
3: Adam and is shooting
2: himself. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so yeah, um,
3: yeah. Like I totally agree with, with Casey. Like Prince has this amazing ability to come up with some sort of groove. Yeah. That you can just listen to that groove for. Ten minutes. Yes. Um and so one of those grooves is called Purple Brain.
1: Yeah. Which in concert he
3: makes last for about thirty minutes. And yeah. the, 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 he's got a million of these grooves that you can just listen to and they, they just like there's something about the groove you just want to keep listening to it. And nineteen ninety nine is another one of those. It's mm. got that. Do, 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 do.
0: Yeah, it's very simple, isn't
3: it? it I'm
1: gonna I'm yeah. gonna um go out on a limb and describe that as an ostinato, <laughs> that particular thing. An ostinato? Yes. N-
3: not a riff? So- Ex- yes. Ex- as as distinct from a roof. As distinct from a roof. So, <laughs> listeners, one of the things that's happened since uh, 90% <laughs> hits... Uh- Since we last did very much 90% hits, is that Casey has uh, started doing a music degree. I'd I'd started before we finished.
0: (laughs) I thought he started doing a study on German cars at (laughs) Austin
2: Hence hence the $10 words. (laughs) (laughs) But
3: yeah, the other thing with 1999 that I think is uh, really interesting to think about is that as of this year, Uh, 1999 is just as distant from now as it was from
2: 1982, 83. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Good call. Yeah. That's a, that's, I like that. Think about, think about that. I like that. Freemasons and all of that. Yeah.
3: (laughs) And so there's this, yeah, there's this weird sort of apocalyptic kind of thing in 1999, you know, like the, you know, parties uh, are meant to end and all that kind of stuff. Uh, There's this weird sort of apocalyptic stuff now. And it was funny. I I remember this song was big around 1999. When, like they were re-released it as a single, and um, yeah. you know there might have even been some sort of remix that they were hoping would get on the charts, but probably didn't. And um, and, and yeah, and so the, it, it's funny. Like you've got that. It's got, it's got that sort of like wanting to be in the future kind of science fictiony kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, in the same way that Beyond 2000 did. And now it sort of seems a bit strange to us now. Oh, like the name of Beyond 2000. Yeah, the name of Beyond 2000, yeah.
1: Or like the book
0: 1984,
3: for that matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's like the, the, the past's, the futures of the past, and it's another future of the past. Tim
0: Coyle, what about you?
2: Yeah, I kind of like that, um, you know, it's recorded in 1992, sorry, 1982. (laughs) You keep saying that. Um, (laughs) that. (laughs) uh, Fixated on the 90s. Um, It's about 1999, but you you listen to it now, it it could be released now. And Mm. um, there was that thing when we listened to a lot of the songs from the early 90s um, that... You know, they sounded so dated and then you got to something and, you know, you hate to admit it, but Bobby Brown's humping around and you could say, Hey, that could have been released yesterday. No one would really notice. And a lot of the print songs from the eighties just kind of, um, especially because they were tapping into that, um, Afrofuturism thing, um, of the time that, um, they were making, uh, the making use of every available bell and whistle and trick available in the studio that yeah it just sounds it still sounds quite contemporary and um, yeah I, I just wonder also thematically um whether you know every single every single age every single epoch has thought it's the end of the world or yeah. it's just kind of uh, we're going through another phase where uh, we're, we're in crisis a little bit because a lot of what's going on in 1989 is kind of the cold war is still raging on at this time in 1982 so that's the the apocalyptic um subtext um that's going on there and yeah for some reason that anxiety is still pretty relevant to us today um not necessarily just the um the cold war but there's a multiple other conflicts that are um kind of prompting that uh, millennial fever that's going on. But um yeah, it's it's just such a great listen. Um still, uh there's a great snap to the beat and as you say, as the other guys have said, the groove is just so insistent and you, you just kinda wish it had go on forever. It's the perfect party song. Mm. Yeah,
4: it's
0: certainly great. So hold on, what so it was 82 to 99, so that makes it 17 years in the future. So, what's 17 years in the future from today? 2033? Uh, yeah. 2033, yeah. yeah. Yeah, wow. So, it's, it does feel like when he For, wrote it.
3: It feels like forever,
1: you know.
0: I guess... Yeah. Like, uh,
1: it's an interesting thing now... From the perspective of myself and Tim Coyle and Danny, I think of 2033 and I think of how old my kid's going to be.
4: Um, <laughs> and, I, and
1: and for that reason, it doesn't make it feel that far away as it probably did even when I was probably 10 hearing this song and hearing about 1999, which was mm. less than 10 years ago, feeling like that's a million years away. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah uh, quick aside, like I just saw the Avengers film and, like, it starts in, like... <laughs> No, sorry, Captain America starts in like 1991 and you flash back and it feels like a million years ago. It's yeah, like when yeah, I yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. hot shots or something and they flash back to the 70s yeah, and it's like, yeah. oh my god, it's the past. <laughs> um, anyway, so, how do you feel song? about this song?
1: <laughs> uh, Strange that the four of us have got off track so quickly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, we talk about lots of favourite Prince songs and I definitely have. Songs that I like more than this, but this is great. But i tell you what this song does win. It is the best opening lyric from a Prince song. I was dreaming. I was dreaming I wrote, when I wrote when this. I wrote this. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is <laughs> it? <earth>. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> great. Great.
3: And, and I love that, like, he only comes in on the third line. Like, he, he gives the first two to members of his band. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love just, that, yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, it's so wild and crazy. It sounds like a great party. The film clip sort of looks kind mm. of... Like that as well. Uh, I agree with everything that everyone else has said. There's no need to repeat it. I will say that this song did lose its luster for me on January In one two thousand. <laughs> no, it was just I just heard I, it too I, much. I, I can, yeah, I no. remember that single coming out. I was probably working at retail at the time. It was just like, oh man, I didn't need to re- hear that. Re- hear that song ever? Like, I just thought I didn't need to hear that song, and I probably did listen to that song for a good ten years. And look, it, he. Like, from a crazy way of thinking about it, he totally banked that idea. Yes. Whether whether he thought he would, uh, but he just went, like, that song was going to be the song of that
4: mm.
0: night, I guess, you know. Uh, and it, it was. Totally. Every single friggin' DJ mm. playing any single party on that New Year's
3: Eve played that song, surely. Yeah, yeah. Right. So what one of us needs to do now is write a song called, like, 2034... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've thought about this all the time. i thought about,
0: you know, do I, like, especially when um, we want, we're in Rio, it's just like someone needs to do a cover version of I Go To Rio.
3: Yeah. Because
0: as an Australian <laughs> artist as well, like all those sort of things, just cash it in.
3: When those athletes, <laughs> when those athletes go to Rio, I will watch exactly, it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly,
0: right? Uh, but otherwise, yeah, fantastic song from, like, a really great era of, of Prince as well. Like, he still had not Yeah quite, I don't know, I guess, yeah, much like everyone else, I didn't hear it uh, at the time and I discovered it a lot later, but, you know, going back and listening to Prince Records, it just feels like he hadn't quite, he was still sort of wild and and just, he could do anything. Yeah, yeah. There was no barriers to what Prince was, and I know that there kind of isn't for Prince, but... You know, later as, as years go by, and, you know, it's very much Prince and nothing else.
3: Yeah, well, yeah, 1999's funny, because it's, um... It was his first big hit. Like, he had he had hits before that. Like, he had R&B hits in the U- UK, in the US. Um, in Australia, Controversy, the song, got to, like, number 15 or something. This was a number two, this and this was his first big hit yeah. in Australia. <laughs> like, this was the first that most people had probably heard of Prince. And, you know, like, he... But by this stage, he already really knew what he was doing. It was on his mm. fourth album. He apparently recorded 1999 on the same day as Little Red Corvette. Is that far out? <laughs> That's a hell of a day. That's a hell of a day. <laughs> yeah. He has made millions of dollars from that one
2: day. <laughs> yeah, <work> wow. <laughs> um, just okay. a, a couple of things. Music. What, a, what, what would be the hourly rate? I know. <laughs> 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 astronomical. Far out.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. A couple of things musically, which um, something you just said um, reminded me. Or maybe it was Tim said the, um, the first couple of lines in the song, he didn't even sing. He yeah. doesn't come into line three. And there's a whole bunch of times in the chorus, he's not even singing the melody.
2: Yeah. You know, and I, I love that. Well, it's an interesting thing for an artist who's kind of often associated with having a huge ego, which he did, mm. um, and oh, yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing. But he was always quite willing to kind of throw the stage over to his to his bandmates. It's, um- I,
1: I think, a part of that, and I agree with you yeah, absolutely. And I think a part of that. However, probably plays into his ego a little bit because a part of it is, look at this band that I've put together, you know, (laughs) and his band were always, always just like the top of the top. So I think there was an element of that. But yeah,
3: he definitely had a thing around this time where he, like, I think he kind of released like three or four different albums in 1982. It was just that only one of them was released under the name Prince. There was oh like a God. there was an album by the time that was basically him with someone yeah. else singing. There was the um, the Vanity 6 album, uh, which is like his girl group, and there's there's other ones, and some of these were actually quite big hits at the time too. Um, um, yeah, the time were bigger in Black American communities than Prince was.
0: Look, I think that I think that ego um, sort of manifested itself in just confidence. Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he could do yeah. that. He's gonna freaking yeah. just. Like and throughout his career, just like just have a really really talented band, and just throw to them because I don't mm. need the spotlight because I shine yeah. already. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and like I'll produce someone's album because I'm gonna look great doing this because I
2: am a fucking yeah. genius. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> or, he's, or, or he's just that confident in the quality of the song that yes, <laughs> he's yeah, yeah. It. yeah let it do what it needs to do, and if that means someone else singing the first line, so be it. Yeah, yeah no, definitely.
3: I feel like the thing about Prince is that he's the most amazing control freak. Like, more so than ego, his defining thing is that he's such a control freak. Like, he wants to control everything. And you see that in the stories that have come out recently, like the one that Jimmy Fallon was talking about, about playing ping pong with Prince, where Prince did so much, which is a fantastic story. Um uh, miss but- this one. But, um, you know, where Prince really wanted to play ping pong with Jimmy Fallon for some reason. So he organised with Jimmy Fallon to come to this particular uh, place in New York that had a ping pong table. And then, you know, he... he, Oh, that place. Yeah. (laughs) And and he, you know, he beat Jimmy Fallon quite convincingly at ping pong. And then, you know, hit the ball off. Jimmy went to get the ball and then Prince had just disappeared. (laughs) You know, all those kind of stuff. But, and, and in all those stories, it really comes across that Prince is such a control freak but it's funny because he's also such like a party animal, and it's weird. He's such a control freak about parties, and there's two things that kind <laughs> yeah, of don't yeah. go together. And there's some something brilliant in that kind of um, in in the in the in the way those two things sort of come together and become a paradox.
0: Fallon should have uh, challenged him to basketball,
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> high jump. Um- <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're up to number two, and Danny, you came up next. What's your favourite Prince song, mate?
0: Uh, much like, I'm sure, for all of us, it's a song that I love, but, you know, choosing favourites are so hard for this one, so it was the one that came to mind that I just went, I love every single second of this song, and it is Kiss. <laughs> So, uh, I got to see Prince a couple of times, and one time he uh, was doing it, and like I'd never really understood Prince Feel being. Like I've heard this story before.
1: Oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> it's almost like we've talked about Prince on this podcast before. It's oh, almost like Danny's told this exact <laughs> story. Yeah, <okay.
1: laughs> Sorry, I'll start again. <laughs> no, <That's>... don't, <laughs>
3: no, no, don't, will you? <laughs> I forgot if I
0: told this story
1: or not. <laughs> yeah, you totally did, but tell it, yeah, It's, it's
3: good. a good story, It's okay. a good story.
0: So yeah, go back to episode whatever where I talked about (laughs) the story and seeing Prince. But this song is so amazing. That little, that little intro lick, that thing is just so cool. Um, seeing him do it live is obviously amazing. I, it's that falsetto. Like that has been a big influence on me. Just, and again, just that ego slash confidence in him that I'm going to sing this high and you know, Springsteen's not gonna do that. Like, he just, like, um, like, it just feels like, feels like he's just taking. You
3: don't have to be beautiful. like the
0: Tom Jones version. Um, but it just feels like, it just feels like he was just taking musical risks that he didn't really even need to do. Just yeah. For the, yeah. Just, just for shits and giggles. And just, and then so it's such an odd single. It is such a sweet, sexy song in that way just one idea executed so well down the line anyone like it's it's dirty but it's sweet it's a song that like on on the surface a six-year-old can enjoy and Mm. a 60-year-old can enjoy it's universal beautiful brilliant thing and it's yeah and just yeah like everything else we said about the funk and the groove but i just love this it's so pop to the point of being rock it's just sharp and sweet and it's a fantastic song Uh Casey. Oh, me. Okay.
1: Cool. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, so this song's really interesting and I'll be the first to say it if you didn't already say it and I just forget it. I think I heard Tom Jones sing this first. Did we all did we all hear Tom Jones sing this first? I
0: don't
3: think Mm. so actually. No. I think I might have been slightly too young to know the
1: coil, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: I didn't love that song. Like I didn't love the Tom.
1: Jones. Did, did you reckon you heard Tom Jones sing it first, or Prince yeah, yeah, sing it definitely. First? Yeah,
0: but it, it didn't make me go, yes, this
1: is yeah, a
2: great nice yeah. song. So, and it was it was Art of Noise yeah. who were doing the backing track for the Tom Jones. It was it was Art of Noise
3: featuring Tom Jones, really. Like who were uh, like who were an eighties,
2: um, you know,
3: key kind of experimental kind of thing, basically.
1: So it was actually quite a while into my teens, I guess, before. I heard or realized that this was a Prince song. So it was a little bit jarring hearing that full falsetto version. Now, you know, being fully aware of it, the thing that s- strikes me the m- more than anything else, and I think it's great, um, but everything in the song is so perfectly placed and exactly where it needs to go, like a lot of Prince songs. And then at the end when he fucking loses his shit <laughs> just,
4: it's just yeah. like,
1: like it's so good it's everything so measured up to that point and then it just goes he just chucks everything that he's got and it's yeah, yeah. like only Prince can get away with that shit you know so yeah, yeah. That, that's what stands out to me about the song do I absolutely love it not as much as like you know 1999 or Cream or probably a couple of other songs we'll talk about tonight but uh, I love hearing that <laughs> <laughs>
3: I <hearing> that <laughs> so, so, Kiss, uh, I, I'm still doing my stats and the songs. So I'm going to do that for all of them. Uh, it was a number two single as well, like 1999. Uh, in, 19, in 1986, it was a number two single.
1: Jesus, there's just too many dates. Yeah, <laughs> stupid prince. I know.
3: Calling songs after years. Anyway, uh, the number one at the time was uh, Chain Reaction by Dana Ross. Oh. Um, so, that kept it off the top of the charts. And I reckon another thing that kind of kept it off the top of the charts was that um, Manic Monday by the Bengals was also in the top five at the same time. That he wrote. That he wrote. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm sure there were some Prince fans who were like, oh, I'll buy Manic Monday this week. Mm. So for me, I knew I don't. I feel like I didn't really know the Tom Jones version of Kiss, and I think that comes down to me being like a year and a half younger and not quite paying attention to music quite as early as you guys or something like that. Mm. Yeah, Uh, which was something we talked about in the podcast a a fair bit in the early days of the podcast. Um, But I do remember the, the Prince version pretty well, and I really remember liking that song because my I've got a really clear memory of. Uh, of going to, I think it was Cash Converters in Fairfield in like 1997 or 1998 um, and, and looking around in the CD bin that they had there and seeing a pretty worn version of the Parade album uh, for probably five bucks or ten bucks or something and, and looking at that and, and seeing that the Parade had Kiss on it and then thinking, yeah, Kiss is a pretty good song. I might buy that. Which is weird for me at that point because I was such the huge um, Smashing Pumpkins fan or you know Pearl Jam fan and things like that. And Prince theoretically shouldn't have been in my wheelhouse because there was nowhere near enough distorted, distorted guitars on something like Kiss. But I, oh, I remember thinking, not. "Yeah, this is a this is a good song. I, I would like that." And so I went and I went home and I listened to Parade and I thought, "This sounds awesome!" Like I, I was I was really into the sound of that album because, like, like. Um, like what what you hear on Kiss and like what you hear on some of the other um, songs on the album. It's a really weird, minimalist, funk kind of album with this, like, very strange production on it. Like, the production on the album and on that song is really strange. And um, there's some fantastic songs on the album. Sometimes It Snows in April is beautiful as well. Yeah, there's a beautiful version of that done by D'Angelo, which we in a, There's a part of this, that That song is about the death of the character in the movie uh, Under the Cherry Moon... Uh, the Prince played, and so um, oh, yeah, right. That there's a point in sometimes <laughs> it snows in April where um, where there's, there's like a, you know, there's like a reference to missing Tracy or I oh, miss Tracy, and like D'Angela changes that that word to Prince, and like you know it's the, the tears <laughs> welling up moment for me, and yeah. so and so yeah, so Kiss was kind of my entry point into becoming a really big Prince fan, which I am. Um, the, we're recording this at my house at the moment and the guys have been looking through my collection of Prince Vinyl and that includes stuff that like the, the Time and Vanity Six and things like that. I'm a huge fan and this was the song that got me into it. So I really love this song. Tim Coyle
2: yeah it's uh it's definitely the the first prince song i heard but as as we've pointed out the art of noise tom jones version is is the one that i heard first and like all the tom jones covers they're so campy and the 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 funny thing is this that was a really campy version of a a performer who's already doing a very camp thing (laughs) so it's just so over the top and i was already kind of predisposed to uh to not liking it and i'll just bring up that um the the tom jones version was on the soundtrack to a film uh hence it kind of being brought back which is uh, my stepmother is an alien oh. hey, hey. what a kim film. basinger <laughs> and dan Aykroyd, and i think the f- the first performance from alison hannigan uh as the oh. uh, as the daughter in it oh, uh, yeah. which was a complete was a complete flop but that's that's kind of why it was there and i remember the film clip quite well um oh. But, yeah, I was just – I didn't like it. And, yeah, I think it's – in a way, it contributed to me being a, a bit wary of Prince for, for a long time. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's, – it's revelatory when you go back and you hear the original having been exposed to the cover um, the first time. Because, yeah, for a camp over the top – um hammy performance, which is the one that Tom Jones gives, and that's what he does. Um so you know. Um but to go back to the original, which is this very minimalistic kind of Swedish design made song <laughs> kind of thing. Are you saying it's the um, IKEA it's-
3: of print songs?
2: Well, no, it's even more stripped back than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's it's just so until cool he fucking loses his shit. <laughs> <That's the thing>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but there's something
4: <laughs>
2: But all that all the all the cleanliness beforehand creates mm. that contrast and yep. it just um yeah, kind of means that section of it stands out and has more impact, and it's such a high impact song because all the little all the hooks just kind of stand on their own they're not kind of meshed into one another at all so yeah there's a particular genius about that kind of arrangement and yeah it's just these days it's um it's going back over all those uh, those old songs um kind of wondering you know how much am I going to like this well the answer's quite a lot when I got to it it was just like yeah this is this is great yeah
0: Um, Look, it brings up an interesting point I just want to spend a little bit of time on, which is um, both Tim Byron and Tim Coyle kind of alluded to it, which is for kids of the 90s and, you know, growing up loving sort of Triple J stuff and guitar music, and it was a really great time for that, Prince kind of wasn't part of that fashion. No. And, you know, when did you guys, you know, I guess... I guess maybe he was always very different from, say, any other sort of pop act from the 80s. He was always sort of a god in that sense. But when did you sort of go, you know, hey, look, there's maybe something more there that is, you know. I kind of have have
1: wavered in and out the whole time. Like, I'm not like Tim Byron, who is, you know, has five... (laughs) vinyl records sitting on the couch next to us maybe more than five of of random print albums and side projects and um, all that I'm certainly not that I'm more a guy that has just sort of come in and out of um, you know knowing how awesome the dude is in terms of the 90s he probably wasn't on my radar pretty much at all in the 90s when I was listening to the, the Triple J things I guess no not See, the 90s is, a, is an interesting concept because the 90s, like we talked about in the original podcast, maybe when I was up to about up to about the age of 13, I thought Prince was pretty rad. But then I started listening to indie rock and he dropped off my, my radar. Yeah. And then in my 20s, I was like, hey, that Prince guy's pretty good too. Let's go back there, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, what about, like, Tim Byron, for you, I guess you just, you just mentioned that, that you were probably in your
3: mid-teens... Yeah, so, I mean, for for me, I, I loved Prince, like, in, like, 92, 91, like, with Cream and, like, mm. and, and the Diamonds and Pearls album. That album was, like, so I, I got him to, like, be a big fan of Prince um, when he was sort of in his prime. Like, I was sort of, that was the very end of him being in his prime, really, in some ways. And then um, he kind of... You know, like, most beautiful girl in the, in the world. Uh, we, we talked about that on, on that podcast as being the point where a lot of us kind of was like, oh, this is kind of adult contemporary bullshit. I'm not into this anymore. I want to listen to Crash Test Dummies instead. I, you believe, you're, <laughs> I believe
1: your exact words were worst Prince song ever.
3: Yes.
0: Indeed. Well, why don't we go into your next song then, if, you, if we want to go into Tim, your, your next so What, what oh. song did you choose?
2: Sure. um, I chose Raspberry Beret. I struggled with Prince quite a lot um, in that he was just this um, kind of chameleon like um, highly sexualized um, kind of very campy performer and that just wasn't me at all um, when I was when I was a kid or when I was a teenager and I just couldn't couldn't get into it because of that and so he just kind of went by the wayside, especially that 90s stuff where it was getting into the the ultra smooth soul and funk um, things and it was all super sexy kind of stuff. And I was just like, no, that's not for me. I need to be listening to depress, depressingly distorted guitars in my room and wallowing uh, kind of thing. And Prince is not the guy to, to soundtrack uh, those kinds of behaviours. Um and it wasn't until I really got into the earlier stuff from the eighties, um, that it started to make sense. And Raspberry, Raspberry Beret is kind of, it's the song that really breaks that and breaks Prince for me. And the thing I'm going to point out in relation to it is, and it's something people don't mention a lot in regards to Prince, is the guy had a fucking amazing sense of humor. And the thing with this song is it's hilarious. <laughs>
4: um,
2: amongst many other things, I think it is pretty It, it is pretty much the perfect pop song. It's just um, the way that the, he works through those verses and there's just those very slight variations and kind of the slam dunk chorus and all, all of that. But this is a very funny song um, on top of that. And I think finding out that Prince was funny contextualized a lot of the later stuff right. um, because, you know, the guy kept a very good straight face but he was always having fun and there was always a vein of humour running beneath a lot of those songs and when I understood that Suddenly Prince makes a lot more sense and um, the the entirety of the catalogue makes more sense for me but Raspberry Beret is just such a great... Funny gem of a little pop song. pop song. It's just kind of you know working in the five and dime, and this woman walks in a raspberry, in a raspberry beret, and okay, kind I'm, I'm going to pull
1: you up there. What the fuck's a five and dime? Is it like a pawn shop or is something? It, like what? what no, it? no, it's like no, a, it's,
3: it's just corner store kind of thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, dollar right. shop or something like that.
1: Yeah, because yeah. yeah. oh, it, c- it comes yeah. up in songs all the time. <clears> well, it's just really? a corner store. <laughs> well,
0: is like, it's like the whole why there's so many songs about rainbows and really there's
1: like three <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay it comes up in that fucking Brian Adams song <laughs> it's, it's in summer yeah. yeah. you know. okay <laughs> continue Tim sorry my bad yeah and
2: and you know they kind of he, he whispers her off on his motorbike to a barn somewhere and it's my favourite line in the entire song is you know they're obviously going through the barn to do what they're about to do and he says the horses wonder who you are <laughs> 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 But of course the horses wouldn't bother me. And then (laughs) it's. Everybody knows who Pete's is. Exactly. Even the fucking horses. It's it's this hilarious account of kind of a deflowering narrative, (laughs) which is, you know, it's full of. It's it's bragging, but it's also just so over the top silly and delivered in this deadpan way and delivered within. A perfect pop song that yeah it's just it's um yeah every bit of it he nails it and yeah um as i say the the humor of it is such an essential part of the song and of prince's catalog as well mm. because it's uh um, off underappreciated um aspect of his songwriting and it's something that songwriting in general doesn't tend to be funny so much mm. and prince is really good at that and it's a hard thing to do
0: yeah, I guess, you know, again, the era we grew up in and sort of, you know, when Pearl Jam and Smashing Pumpkins and Soundgarden and Raging Against the Machine were some of the first bands you ever hear, It is. it does. initially puts Prince in a weird context. But this song is very hokey, really, <laughs> in a great way. I mean, so this would be definitely one of my favourites. and But I just love the whole, like, the Five and Dime, the second-hand store... Like down at a farm and Mr. McGee and all that sort of stuff. It sounds like it's very hokey imagery. And like Prince was, like, he wasn't down home
2: southern uh, American.
3: But, but he was of, from it was Minneapolis. He was
2: Midwestern, though. Yeah, he was from Minneapolis. Yeah, he, was he was from Minnesota. But nonetheless, this could be an Abe Simpson story. Yeah, you know, what I mean? <laughs> 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 you know like, it's,
3: it's kind of, um, it,
0: it's just, and that, back to that sense of humor thing, like, it's so beautifully uh just cartoonish and it's great and yeah he did do it great I mean I don't know what else to say about this song musically it's just fantastic and I guess you know we'll probably we'll get to honourable mentions at the end of this but you know a lot of my honourable mentions fall into this sort of world of Prince where he was just writing just perfect three minute pop songs big ideas images to stay with you if she was warm, she wouldn't wear much more. Like, I mean, <laughs> the, that's great, great. You know, yeah. so, uh, yeah, what a beautiful song. Casey?
1: You know, there are a lot of th- things about this song to like and I agree with... I agree in a lot of ways with everything that was said, but for some reason, of The Prince big hits, um, it never stood out to me and it still doesn't stand out to me listening to it this mm-hmm. week I was kind of I don't know like it's um, and it's an amazing hook in the chorus absolutely and that's that's undeniable but I was sort of waiting for it to finish um as yeah. I was listening to it this week it is not my favorite prince song at all and that's i guess comes down to um well, I don't know what it comes down to, but it comes back to that idea that I can't really explain what it is I like about Prince songs that I like, but I also can't explain what it is that I don't like about Prince songs <laughs> that I don't like. Like it, it, it kind of either gets me or it doesn't, and and this one just doesn't. It's it's fine. It's like obviously a, a timeless pop hook in that chorus, but I don't I don't go back to it at all. Yeah. I don't know why. Tim Byron. Sacrilege, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, fucking sorry.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, for, for me, yeah, this is just one of his most beautiful songs. Um, if you look at what Prince was trying to doing, uh, trying to do with this stuff. Um, so this is from the "Around the World in a Day" album, uh, which was his first one after "Purple Rain," after his big album, the, mm. the big one in his career, the one that is.
1: I don't know that. What is that? No.
3: <laughs> the one that's currently at number five in the charts. Yeah. Um, Has anybody d- played that recently at a, at a, at
4: a gig? That
3: song. So, so yeah, it's on the album after the big one, and he decided on this album that he was going to go psychedelic on around the world in a day. So, if you look at the cover art, that it looks like Magical Mystery Tour, basically. Uh, it's it got that kind of look to it and so this is where paisley park makes its appearance yeah. as well which uh, is just kind of yeah. <laughs> and, and so prince was a big fan of um a a brand of like psychedelic psychedelic 80s stuff called um the sort of called the paisley underground which is bands like the 3 o'clock and the long, the long riders and early bangles and stuff like that yeah, yeah, like he was a life. big fan of this sort of early psychedelic kind of stuff and that's sort of what's coming out on this album and in this song in particular i think this song is basically his version of that kind of mccartney slice of life song like a uh you know you know those mccartney songs like lovely rita or something like that <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah okay
2: yeah yeah
3: yeah or like you know he, he's trying to do a beatles song here And so it doesn't have that kind of, like, insistent groove in the same way that a 1999 would have. Mm. It's it's trying to be a song song. It's trying to be, like, just a pop song. And he can't help making it slightly groovy and having all these great hooks in it, but, like, he's not really trying to do that. And um, so, yeah, for for me, I'm inevitably going to like this because I'm going, okay, yeah, this is a McCartney kind of song. He's doing that really well. I love all the little lyrical bits in it that people have already mentioned. don't think I have that much to add to that. Um, what, what I, what I do have to add is that, yeah, it was a number, um, it was a number 13 in Australia in 1985 or 85, 80, yeah, 85, kept off the top of the charts by Tina Turner. I <laughs> okay. don't need another hero, I think.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's what I miss about it is that lack of that Prince groove, which is what mm. I, what I do love in Prince songs and that it's not, what's going on in the rhythm track and in the groove of it is not necessarily particularly unique. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's what it is.
2: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah. This there's, there's not the same swing to it mm. as something like 1999 because yeah, it's kind of um, it's very much set up as a as a pop track and that's uh, the the vehicle for for a story. It's yeah, a short yeah. story in a simple pop song form. Um, so yeah, it's kind of not going for. for what we would come to associate as his, as much as he can, his usual thing. Mm.
0: I I am, I was, the other thing about this song for me is, obviously, when, when Prince died, uh, and all throughout Prince's career, is obviously the colour purple being very involved in his life. Yeah. Mm. And, Thank God for that, because otherwise he would have died and people would have wore, like, red raspberry berets to work for, a, <laughs> for a week. As a tribute or some stupid well, thing. I th- think th- Coyle just did a spit take on his beer for that. <laughs>
3: yeah. Like, it's the only other thing. That he yeah, yeah. Well, they, they were selling raspberry berets, like, for about 30 or 40 bucks at the concert in Brisbane when I saw it. Yeah, so oh, genius, no like, shit.
2: The kind that you get at the secondhand store? No, the kind that you get at the fucking you at the merch store, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Tim Byron, we're up to uh, the last song tonight. It's your choice. What have you chosen as your Prince song?
3: So choosing a Prince song really is like choosing children because there are so you many- You said
1: that on the podcast before. <laughs> yes.
3: We, we all have children, so we know- Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you've all still, got one child. Got one. <laughs> you all have one child. Yeah, that uh, you co- don't have co- to choose. <clears throat> coils, you know coils
1: <laughs> days off.
3: Days off.
1: <laughs> but
3: um, yeah. So yeah, you know, I, I, I have to say I don't know what it's like choosing children, and so maybe it's not anything like choosing children. <laughs> Tim Coyle, will find out before the rest of this.
2: Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, but yeah, so the, there's a million things I could have picked. Um, I, I was very close to picking uh, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man. Do you guys know that song?
2: I do not. Oh, man. That's, yeah. well, it's going to make my honourable mentions. Yeah. Me. Okay.
3: <laughs> it, it's from Sign of the Times, and it's just an amazing story song kind of thing. Like It's also a complicated situation that he portrays so well. Um, and... The other thing that I thought is up there for me, but, like, I, you know, maybe it would change tomorrow. The other thing, I'm the one I went for today uh, is Money Don't Matter Tonight, with two as the number two, because this is Prince, and he would always do the number two rather than the word two, because Prince. And at this stage, the music should have started, and you don't want to hear me prattling. But... <laughs> Tonight, uh, it was number eighteen single in nineteen ninety two. Uh, the the third single from the Diamonds and Pearls album, and yeah, it, it's my favourite of of Prince. Pretty much that there's so many things you could choose, but yeah, it's it's just this beautiful song that you know where Prince, like you know, when you get these big superstars doing um, doing these songs that are, you know showing about showing how much of a social conscience they have they can go really wrong. Yes. Mm. yes, they can. They really can go really wrong. <laughs> and that means you, Phil Collins. <laughs> Another Day in Paradise. Another Day in Paradise, which is just like chalk <laughs> down the... Chalk, like, like chalk... Chalk down the
1: <laughs> cheese board. Chalk,
3: chalk down the, the cheese board, yeah. It, it's
1: it's <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, like, you know, Or Heal the World by Michael Jackson is just an abomination of a song. It's awful.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: and um, and, yes. and this isn't. This is like a guy who at this point was like one of the biggest stars in the world, making a song that is just about the the, the everyday struggles, mm. like about people in kind of just kind of sad rundown situations who are just sort of struggling with stuff, who just have to try and make the most of it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I, I think, you know, as like a song from a big superstar like that, it shows like a a lot of self knowledge and a lot of kind of understanding of what it's like to be other people, which um, which which is something that is is there in Prince in you know, in in lots of ways. Like Prince is like you know he's got all these lyrics that are super sexy and all. But one of the things that really came across, it especially um, after his death and all these people talking about um, what Prince meant to him, was that he treated women as people. He treated them as people that he wanted to fuck. <laughs> But he treated them as people he wanted to yeah. fuck rather than as sex objects that he wanted to <laughs> fuck. Yeah, and then he fucked them. And then he <laughs> fucked them.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, so, and so, yeah,
3: so there's, there's an empathy and there's a humanity in, in Prince... In his songs about wanting to fuck women and in his songs about poor people is what I'm trying to say. And, um, and, and yeah, and oh, there's this, I, I, I love the Philly soul groove in this and I'm just going to keep going while you keep laughing about it. <laughs> well, what should we do? Yeah. We'll
0: come back around. Tim Coyle, what about you? Money don't matter, tonight, And I'm glad you chose a song that uses the very Prince sort of. Tightly. And it's and
1: it's yeah. N I T E as well, isn't it? It's two nite No, I think, no, it's the, it's I think it says N I G H T. Okay, oh, my bad. Yeah. yeah.
2: Uh- well, money don't matter tonight was probably the first Prince song I heard that it didn't scare me. <laughs> In some way. Um, but yeah, it's, at the time, it felt like a, a little bit of an anomaly, um, with respect to what I knew of his catalogue, um, in that it wasn't, uh, belting me around the head with its sexuality. Um, but it's really such a smooth, um, smooth track. And, um, yeah, it's, um, it's so well played and um it comes on um very subtly and uh, i think the uh, the point about um uh, i guess social conscience uh, songs of the social conscience is that it's usually when they come from these big stars they're usually yeah let's fix this problem Whereas i think money don't matter tonight it's not kind of looking for a solution and therefore looking wrong-headed when it puts it forward it's more a straightforward description of um of um what living in that situation involves and i think that just uh gives its gives it its appeal and um yeah also just the sound of it it's such a throwback that, yeah, listening to it really does sound like listening to uh, my parents' record collection at times in, in the best possible way.
0: Where did it chart
2: Tim? Number 18. Yeah, and what, uh, what
0: year? Did, 92, you said? Yeah, 92.
2: It,
3: so was it the first single off? It was the third single after Get Off and Cream, and um, so it was Get Off, Cream, then this. <laughs> then <laughs> Diamonds and Pearls after that. And then maybe Diamonds and Pearls after that, or maybe Diamonds and Pearls before this. I think maybe, okay. it been, maybe it could have been the fourth single. I, I have not... I just remember "Get Off" and "Cream" coming. This earlier.
0: is your—you have one
3: job. No. I have one job. Um, so, so yeah, so it's maybe even the fourth single off the album.
0: Yeah right. Yeah, look, I remember this song coming out very clearly and being very yeah, just thinking that it was very different. And to be honest, when I first heard it, it was a bit like, oh, it's not as good as you know. It's, some it's of no the other, cream, is it? It's yeah. no cream, mm. and it's no get off. But uh, but yeah, it's very. I know. Um, I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> look on this like yeah, you know, yeah. You, the look on your face was what it was, was what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> um, if it, in, no
2: money, no get off. <laughs>
0: in retrospect, it is very Stevie Wonder, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah, just yeah. Especially yeah. those amazing sort of early seventies records that Stevie did, like "Living for the City," "Pastime Paradise," all that yeah, sort of yeah. Stuff, just sort of, you know, the father of social consciousness, and I, c- I can only imagine that Prince went. I kind of want to do something like that to the point where I almost feel like does Prince know anything about inner city living or does he just know Stevie Wonder Records really well and uh, (laughs) probably a bit of both right so um and yeah so there's there's a loveliness and a lovely tenderness and empathy in that song so you're all right about that so yeah I don't know what else to say it's not it's a it's a part of my iPod collection of Prince comes on every so often and I enjoy it it's yeah, it, I do like the pop stuff, and I guess we'll talk about that in Honourable Mentions, but it's a lovely, lovely song.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think this is great, and this is um, another example of that pure groove mm. Prince thing that is so consistent and is so driving, it, even before you get to what he's singing about. Um, like we talked about with Cream, kind of like what's happening with 1999 and what's happening with a lot of things, it is so insistent, the driving groove through this song, that just... Even though it's not probably not the most exciting thing from a melodic or an instrumental perspective, but you are drawn, I at least am drawn into it very much and I I could listen to it for for days, that groove. Um, And then, yeah, when you actually get uh, deep into what he's actually singing about, I think I had a similar reaction to you, Danny, about like, I don't know, is he just a guy with a lot of money singing about people that don't have a lot of money? But, <laughs> you, you know, um, I, I have had that thought about this song from time to time, but I, I, I guess there is, hearing you guys talk about, um, it, it's just a guy putting out what are. Genuinely real situations with a, a, a genuine amount of empathy and seemingly some idea of what is actually going on. Um, so therefore, he kind of gets away with it. But yeah, I, I really like the song, and I can I could listen to it, um, uh, yeah, for days. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, Prince was um, you know his father was basically a failed musician and a sort of a you know a, a no hoper layabout kind of guy, and his mum. So he was basically brought up by a single mum. Yeah. Um he has like five siblings we've discovered, well four of which are half siblings we've discovered as a result of all the court case stuff going on at the moment. He didn't grow up grow up having money. Sure. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: like Stevie Wonder, like I mean he's not yeah. he was a millionaire when he was singing yeah. those songs but he Yeah. was still deeply committed.
3: Yeah. And and there is this huge um really deep uh, vein of social commentary and, and care for your fellow band stuff in Black American music that that's there in Stevie Wonder, that's there in Marvin Gaye's um, What's Going On, that's there in stuff like um, the, the Impressions, Curtis Mayfield, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And all of that is in this song. And it's, it's so obviously like a tribute to that kind of early 70s Philly soul kind of sound. Mm, yeah. Um, and, and all, like, it, it's a tribute to early 70s soul in so many ways, and it's beautiful. My favourite bit in it is the... Sure don't matter! Like, <laughs> the backing vocal when that comes in. I always wait for that bit, and I love it.
0: Yeah. Um, it's... Uh, look, Prince is very interesting when he comes... And, look, we're we're pretty much finished up, but I just wanted to touch on a couple of things before we get to honourable mentions. One is, Prince is a lyricist.
4: Mm. Uh, mm. And we've
0: all touched on that in a little bit. And, yeah, he... he has a he has a span, you know. He's not, I you know. I've never seen him sort of listed in a any sort of list of great lyric lyricists and But his imageries and stuff are so great. Yeah. But he also writes about such a wide variety of crazy things and. Yeah.
1: But you also never see him on, and and this this is to sort of hijack that idea and sorry, but uh, you also never see him list uh, on on lists of like um, best guitarists ever as well, and he is.
3: Well, yeah. I you
1: know, disagree. I so do
3: see him on the list of best guitarists. Well, uh, You, you, okay. see, him, you see him on those list of the well, best guitarists. Well, yeah. Guitar but, only, but he, he <laughs> doesn't come to
1: mind when yeah. you go, who are the best guitarists yeah. in the world? Yeah. It's not like, you know...
3: But you only Hendrix see him on, that, on those lists Jimmy Jimmy because of, because of that very famous performance of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame where he oh, showed God. up all those other guys. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Like,
2: not a white guy with a ponytail. Yeah. Yeah, there
0: is like... I think guitar players know it, but I think yeah, there is something about guitar players that is you know Dwayne Allman or something is sort of yeah. the hero, but like, like he's, he's kind of like I'm thinking of like that's a, no,
1: that's a, that's a good pull, that's a good, that's, that's I'm a good pull. Like yeah, that's guitar magazine,
0: guitar playing, you know? you know. Oh,
1: you know, yeah.
0: But like he is, like you listen to Purple Rain, and mm. everything that he does there, he's. And I love the fact that he is just so casually fantastic at every single fucking musical instrument. Yeah. He is the Todd Rundgren thing, right? He plays, Yeah, I'm sure, almost well, on all his recorded works, he probably played on 95% of everything. Like, Yeah, or if he didn't, he could have.
3: Yeah, probably just yes. the backing vocals like, that he Honestly, I really believe that Prince was the most talented musician in the world all-round as a all-round musician uh, when he was alive. Like yeah. between his ability to to write lyrics, between his ability to write these fantastic grooves, between his ability to write the the melodies that he writes, which are in, you know insistently yeah. catchy, between him being a fucking great piano player, yeah, uh, as everyone who went to the Sydney Opera House shows saw it, him being a fucking great guitar player, him being a fucking great drummer as well, um, <laughs> you know he, he 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 can front man like nobody else, like he can do Michael Jackson style dancing. He was just the all-round package of, of basically genius. He was basically a genius. He was a genius who was very obsessed with sex, but a genius.
0: Yeah, I guess for me, being such a big lyrics guy, there's always been something weird for Prince for me, and listening to him this week, where all those sort of 20-plus album guys, be it, you know, whether it's Elvis Costello or Dylan or Neil Young mm. or stuff, they've kind of worked out to some degree what they want to sing about... You know, after 10 albums, yeah. and then they mine that ground. Prince, I just never know what the fuck he's gonna say. <laughs> you know, and I, th- I find that really fascinating, that he yeah, yeah. still either hasn't found it, or doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And that's a really fascinating thing. Whereas, you know, McCartney is, I'm just gonna write those sweet love songs. Yeah, yeah. That nice nostalgia, or Dylan is still, you know, the world is a terrible, absurd place. Whatever it is, just... Prince is just like I don't know what the fuck
3: you're gonna do next. <laughs> we well, yeah, P- Prince is interesting from the point of view of like his influences because he's famously a huge, huge fan of Joni Mitchell. Yeah, like like a huge, huge fa- fan. And in fact, there's um, quotes from Joni Mitchell that have shown up in the in the weeks since he sadly passed away, uh, where she talks about remembering seeing this like small black guy at the front row of her concerts in Minneapolis in 1975, with <laughs> right. huge white eyes looking at her. Um, you know, like she was a goddess, and like she really clearly remembered that. And um, and Debbie Buell, I think yeah, her yeah, name Debbie is, yeah. Um, remembers. Todd yeah, Todd yeah. um partner at this particular uh, in the seventies remembers Prince coming backstage and um, gushing over Todd Rungren at the same time as well. So.
0: Well, Prince has always said that. Well, not always, but like he's said that that whole. Playing everything was partly inspired by Tom Rogan. Yeah, yeah, so, you so
3: know. Prince has these sort of. He's funny in a way as a black guy because he grew up in Minneapolis, which isn't exactly um, Harlem Seems or the Bronx. Pretty white city. It, it, pretty white city. And <laughs> so he. Um, you know, people in his early bands talk about him being a fan of Grand Funk Railroad. You know, mm-hmm. he, he really must have liked the competent drum work of <laughs> John Brewer. <laughs> <laughs> there's this,
0: there's but, a. Yeah. There's so. a story of the replacements in Minneapolis. Yeah. when they... Um, i heard this recently. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the... When they got their tapes back, when um, they left their first label and they wouldn't give them their masters back, they broke into the offices of, of their old label and stole their masters. And when they... Uh, were asked why they did it they said we, so we could throw them in the river or it might float down to prince's house and he could reconsider his <laughs> musical direction <laughs> 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 but that's the thing right that was kind of the image of prince but he was actually like hugely he probably loved the replacements if he heard them well yeah. i
1: i heard, um i heard a story about the replacements on a different podcast quite recently where um the replacements were playing you know that um what's that venue in uh, Minneapolis, that First Avenue, oh yeah, yeah Seventh Street entry and Seventh yeah. Street entry and First Avenue, yeah. where um, the replacements were playing to a hundred people in Seventh Street entry back, ro- back room, and um, and <laughs> Pinch was in the next room, and, the next room. <laughs> and he'd like like walk in to the back of the Seventh Street entry room and going, I'm on next door. <laughs> and, like, empty the room out into the, into the, into the big room. Yeah. Like, <laughs> empty out, and, like, so the replacements crowd. Would, like, yeah. like, like, bullshit, stuff
0: yeah. like that. Last FM, which which collates songs and yeah. most played songs. Yeah. Can you guys, you three, guess what the top ten most played Prince songs are?
1: Oh, on, on Last FM. On Last FM. FM.
0: So, just a general public. Exposure. Purple Rain. Purple Rain is number two.
1: Little Ray Corvette.
0: Little Ray Corvette's number four. 1999's number five. So, I've got three. Doves, Doves Cry? One. Doves Cry. That's number one. Yeah. Oh. And I was surprised that that was number one. I thought Purple yeah. Rain would be number yeah. one. And that's a great Simpsons reference as well. Tim Collins, from did bring it up. <laughs> <laughs>
3: kiss. Kiss would be in there. Kiss is in there. 1999. Yeah. yeah. Cream. Cream is number twelve. Number twelve. Yeah. Okay. Raspberry beret, isn't it? Raspberry beret is
0: number
3: ten. Sign of the times.
0: Sign of the times. Number six. Yes.
3: What What I'm going to tell you is the um, the current placing in the ARIA singles charts. Uh, oh this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. Oh so yeah. Number fifty this week is um, is diamonds and pearls. Okay. Yeah. Right. Number thirty one. Raspberry beret. Mm-hmm. Number thirty is cream. Okay. Uh, number twenty eight is 1999 number 27 is kiss Mm -hmm. number 22 is little red corvette uh number 11 is when doves cry and number three number number three of course is purple rain so like Mm. so when we were talking earlier on about how some of these songs sound like they could be hits today yeah they're all in the fucking charts at the moment.
0: I was at JP Hi-Fi earlier today and they were just restocking the Prince Best Of's like since yeah. three CD-wide. Hey, I bought it last ultimate. week on iTunes. Yeah, you know.
1: Because yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, on streaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: There's, there's three Prince Best Of's in the top ten of the album charts this week. Yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Like, Beyonce is at number one, but if if you counted all those separate, like, best of's as the same
2: album, they would be at number one by a yeah. long shot. So, well, it's an opportune mash-up opportunity there for Purple Lemonade. Purple <laughs> no. oh, yeah. oh, yeah. yeah. Lemonade. Oh. Well, we
0: got a little mash-up to end the podcast with that Tim Byron's put together. Yeah, yeah. But now that we had... We talked about some of those songs. Tim, any sort of honourable mentions at the top of your head?
3: So, off the top of my head... Um, I want to go into the 90s stuff, uh, because there's so many honorable mentions from the 80s. That it's it's like, um, you know, yeah. taking candy for babies. The, the 90s, there's some beautiful songs. I really love Sexy Motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I was actually <laughs> going to say that. Yeah. It, it's, it's the most beautiful kind of, like, jump blues kind of thing. It, it, it's just great. Like, it, you know, Prince can say that someone is a sexy motherfucker, and because he's Prince... They're a sexy motherfucker. Yeah. And, and, like, it, I love the horns in it. I love that song. That that song is just great. I also... There are horns <laughs> in it, <it's> all right? <laughs> oh, yeah. There really are horns in it. <laughs> <Prince>. <laughs> there are quite a lot of Prince songs that are quite corny. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so, so there's that. There's, um, uh, for, there's an al- Prince's album, uh, The Gold Experience, uh, from from 1994 or 95 or something has a great song on it called Gold which I think is super underrated it's like his 90s Purple Rain basically and it's the kind of thing that like Purple Rain like I really want to see a a version of a live version of it where he does a solo at the end of it for 10 minutes it's got that kind of feel to me (laughs) and um I I think that is great um I think um Prince's output towards the end of the 90s goes in some funny directions, um, and in in the 2000s he starts to go back to doing straight pop songs a bit, and there's a great song called Lolita from his album um, 3121, which is like mid-2000s, which I really think is just a great, great pop song that's really underrated, and... um, and and yeah, he, he's still got some pretty good songs recently. His his very last album, Hidden uh, Run Phase 2, has a great another social commentary kind of song called mm-hmm. Baltimore, uh, which is very much about, you know, the recent Black Lives Matter kind of stuff, and it's just a really nice song. Great. Tim Clell?
2: Yeah, well, we've already mentioned uh, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man, which is just a... Um, fantastic pop song. Um, and even with a crazy bluesy jam in the middle, which is the usual indulgent kind of thing, I hate he manages to turn it on its head and be fantastic. Um, which, yeah, and it being from Sign of the Times, which is my favorite Prince album. Um, yeah. and yeah, so the title track of that, which, um, is a surprising, Uh, One in its own way, Prince was never an artist who was uh, heavily associated with what was going on in hip-hop. But um, title track, he turns his hand to it, and um, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, He just had that knack. Um, Let's Go Crazy. um, Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Crazy... Uh, a away pop song, uh, which is just fantastic. It's one of those ones where you just hear the first few bars of it and, um, yeah, it kind of grabs you by the hair and throws you ten foot in the air. Um, there, now, there's a clip on YouTube, and it's one of the few that you can find of uh, Prince... Playing the Super Bowl, and it's uh, mostly interviews with his uh, with his road crew, talking about setting up, um, and basically that it's raining. And look, he's got two backup singers wearing four inch heels, um, electrical equipment everywhere, and leads everywhere. Um, and they um, look, they go to him and say, "What, what are we, what are we gonna do?" And he's like i just hope it rains harder yeah and they they start off that clip the musical part of it with him just tearing into let's go crazy which is just such an amazing um way for that song to be played and and introduced uh in this kind of frenzied uh rain-soaked um rain-soaked um, context, um, and then also later in that same performance, uh, he is literally playing Purple Rain in yeah, Purple Rain, really Rain with special. all the, uh, with all the lighting going on there. So, and Purple Rain needs a mention as well. It's a, it's a really great song. Um, and another one is Little Red Corvette, which is, uh, one of the, The earlier singles, um, kind of like Raspberry Parade. It's a very fun, tall little pop song.
0: Yeah, probably the greatest Super Bowl performance I can think of. Um, He's just so great in that performance. Uh, For me, look, anything that you could find on Prince, the hits, that three CD set is amazing. So, you know, outside of that, um, the only song I really want to highlight was the guitar. From Planet Earth from 2007. I really, really like that song. (laughs) It's the first single.
3: It was great. It was fun. It was kind of silly. And just, yeah. That Um, was when you saw him live, right? Yeah. that
0: tour? Well, and then he gave away that album with every ticket. Right. And so... Oh, no, he gave away the album with a newspaper. It was around that time when people were trying shit like that. Yeah. And so, yeah. But I remember him doing it live and he... You know, that was around the time he did the Super Bowl. So I think... I was just really in love with him at that point and just, yeah, that song was just, hey, it was the, the Prince single at the time and got played on radio and stuff at that time, so it was great. Mm. Casey?
1: Oh, look, the only other song that I can mention that we didn't, I mean, we we talked about a little bit, but we talked about it in depth back in the podcast is Cream, and that's still probably, it's still probably my favourite song and I couldn't or I didn't want to pick it tonight because we discussed it in depth on the old podcast. Um but that that just still stands out to me as probably my favorite prince song and is still one of my favorite songs and I, there's nothing else I can bring to this conversation in terms of other <laughs> other random songs that haven't already been mentioned. He look up in the air. Yeah, it's my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um
0: we will I guess you know there's lots of cool videos and stuff like that that we can find so we might put some stuff up on the Tumblr and um, I'm going
3: to revive the Tumblr. Ooh, Tumblr in. Yeah. Hey. Or possibly um, even on Facebook, which we seem to use a bit more these days. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, just do that, hey? Like, <laughs> like us on Facebook. We post shit there, even if we're. We, not we doing still.
1: We still. I. I, I like um, the. We still post on Facebook whenever any of us walks past a poster of, like, a random <laughs> 90s act that's doing a gig. And we are like, we'll all put it up <laughs> as they like... Yeah,
3: we, we figure that our, our fans want to know that the Venga Bus is coming to Sydney. Yeah, well, you know,
1: finally, finally, <laughs> after finally. all these years, yeah, you know. all
3: these years.
0: But, yes, do find us on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash 90% hits, and there's a Twitter of the same think it's 90, the numbers, and then percentage. Yeah, let's
1: not even worry about the Twitter. I mean, does the Twitter do anything anymore? I don't. Do you do anything on the Twitter?
0: Uh, Well, that brings us to the end of 90% Prince, uh, a special podcast. So thanks for having us. We'll hopefully do more as we think of it. Uh, Looking forward to doing the Phil Collins episode. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) yeah, other than that, thanks from me.
1: Uh, Yeah, thank you. Hi, bye. <laughs> um,
3: we'll thanks thanks for listening again. See ya. <laughs>